So welcome to The Liquid Show. I'm Pete Crouch. I'm Colin Gilchrist. In this episode, we're joined by Emma-Jane Ginch. Emma-Jane has a very strong background in recruitment. Took a position in Sellafield as the Chief of Staff, the CEO, and now runs her own organisation, Plain Purpose. Thanks for joining us, Emma-Jane. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Delighted to be here. Good, good. So, um, yeah, we want to understand a little bit more about your journey. Okay. Um, what we do know is that you've held various positions in the world of recruitment. Yep. You've run your own business. As I mentioned in the intro, you had a senior position at, at Sellafield, but now you're back in uh, self-employment, as it were, running your own organization. So, um, Colin, I know you've got some some background questions that we'd like to dive into. Absolutely. So let's let's do that. Great. Thank okay. you. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Thanks, Pete. Um, so, Jenny. Yeah. Um, Doing some digging, um, everyone sort of has a story of where they've come from and and how they've got to where we are now. Um, In yours, it's fascinating. (laughs) Do you you want to share a little bit about that whole journey? And I mean, um, really starting early doors, you know, uh, school back. So uh, I'm aware that your mum was young that, um, you know, right up to current day where you're looking after your two girls. But that story of of you and where who you've become because of that. Yeah. Yeah, let's... Yeah, no worries at all. Yeah. So um, my mum, as you mentioned, uh, was, was very young, pregnant at 16. Yeah. Um, dad was 19. Uh, still together. There is Amazing. such a thing as love right. and yeah. long marriage. I haven't yet found it, but you know. <laughs> um, and... Uh, we were brought up, obviously, them being so young, um, in a council house. Yeah. Um, we got moved onto a council house in a village. Yeah. And the the thing we found was there was a lot of snobbery around the fact that the council house people, mm. and there was about six council houses in the okay. whole of the village, oh, wow. okay. were in their village. Right, right. Um, so um, my mum was very... Um, found it very important to make sure that we spoke properly mm. and that, you know, we weren't um, looked upon in any different way because of our behaviour or the way we spoke. And this is really interesting because on moving to Cumbria, yeah. speaking well has actually gone against me Yeah, because people think that I'm stuck up or I think I'm posh or I think I'm above them because of the way I speak. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's such an interesting cycle to think yeah. you, you're taught to talk away to fit in because you are not at the regarded same level as someone else. Yet then people who are at the same level as you or above then look down on you because they think that you're above the level they are. And it's just bonkers. This whole hierarchy of of, uh, social being is just bonkers. So at school then, Mm. I mean, um, the elocution came quite early or later on, or I mean, was it difficult making mates or I mean? No, no, not at all, not at all. School was absolutely fine. It It was a primary school in the village. Yeah. At the end of the day, kids don't pick up on that from their no, parents, more, really. More right. Parents aren't yeah. gonna say, yeah. you can't play with that child because okay. they're a council house kid. Or oh, I never felt that. Yeah, I never yeah. felt that. Yeah. Um, one experience I did have, um, which you may have heard um me speak about previously or, or read about when you were researching, uh, was a real pivotal moment for me. Um and this this is um my nan, who was a huge inspiration to me. Yes. Uh, she worked as a cleaner in the toilets of a really popular tourist attraction called the Abbey Gardens in Bury St. Edmunds. Okay. Yes. Um and I used to go and play at the Abbey Gardens. It had a nice park and gardens and stuff. And then I'd go in and see Nan and she'd be in there doing her knitting in between going and doing her cleaning and so forth. Yeah. 
And one day I was there with a friend and I must have been probably about 10, 11, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, and uh, I was playing with this girl and I said to her, oh, shall we uh, go and see my nan? And she went, oh, where is she? I said, oh, she's just in the toilets. And she said to me, what do you mean she's in the toilets? Yeah. I said, oh, she, she works in the toilets. And she looked at me and she was like, that's disgusting. And I suddenly went, what? Yeah. but what? Your nan, her job is cleaning the toilets. Now, obviously this girl, in hindsight, her parents would have been teachers or um, you know, doctors, directors, managers, as, as would have her grandparents. So right. she wouldn't have been around um, working class people no. yeah, yeah, yeah. that do the essential jobs that people just take for granted. Yeah. So I was kind of really affected by that. And I, and I went home and I thought about it and I was just like, oh my God, am I really disgusting? Because- So what, what age were you at this, uh, this time, MJ? It was MJ? about 10. Oh, right. No, yeah, 10, so like, somewhere yeah. around yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. And I, so it was yeah. quite hurtful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I thought that I was dirty, that yeah. my nan was, that there was something not right about me because mm. Because my nan worked in the toilets. It's a very pivotal one. Yeah. yeah. So I went and talked to Nan and I was like, Nan, I said, something happened. Yeah. Can I talk to you about it? She's like, yeah, of course. So I said, look, and I, and I told her the story and she went, Emma, it's people like us that give people like them somewhere to piss and they'd be lost without us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and she said to me, no one wants to be pissy pants. And it's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you need the toilet, you want to... And you want a clean toilet. And it's essential. <laughs> yeah, of course. But yeah, yeah. the way that that's perceived, and it was at that moment, and I know it was such a young age, but it was at that moment yeah. that I really got the belief, the belief that hierarchy is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. You know, it does not matter what you do for a job. Yeah. It does not matter if you're a director, managing director, CEO, if you're a middle manager, if you're a cleaner, if you're um, a counselor, it doesn't matter what your role is. Yeah. Everyone is integral to a business yeah. and everyone's integral to society. Yeah. And that to me was a real kind of, um, and again, it's not until you reflect yeah, yeah. Um, that you go, and that was part of my personal purpose discovery that I did that made me kind of go, that was okay. that was a key moment for me. Okay, yeah. okay, and then okay. So moving on from that, I mean, you moved away from Suffolk. Was, yeah. Was that your? At what stage was that? So uh, went through education system. Yeah. Um, didn't go to university. Um, yes. Had a place at university. Yeah. Do drama was it? Yeah, right. I was. My, yeah. I was. My ambition was always to be a drama teacher. Right. Yeah. I wanted to be drama teacher in English. Yeah. Um, and um, I took a year out before I went to university, and yeah, I went yeah. and worked on the holiday parks. Yes, yeah, so I remember this. This is exciting. Uh, where yeah. was this? Uh, where? Yeah. So I worked for Haven. Haven. Um, yeah, okay. And I worked at Great Yarmouth. Right. I worked at Skegness. Um, was another one. And Wind Chelsea. Yeah. So I did three out. seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, Three yeah. seasons. So a bit like a Butlin's red coat then. Absolutely. What, 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 do you get, what jacket did you get with Haven? Oh, it's a, it was a stripy one. Okay. It was, it was a really it. strange strange environment, actually, as the first um, kind of... I mean, I'd been working since I was 12. Yeah. Market stores, uh, paper rounds, babysitting, Amazing. all that type of stuff, shops. So I'd always earned my own Such money. Such a great grounding. Oh, abs absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I wanted stuff, mum and dad couldn't afford, mm. you know, just to yeah. give you stuff. So you worked for it, yeah. you know, it's what you did. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I went to work on the holiday parks and uh, it was it was a really exciting and strange experience because during the day you were like in your um, 
uniform tracksuits and stuff and you right. were running kids clubs and you yeah. were doing quizzes and all those things that you get at a holiday party sure. during the day. Of course. Um, and then in the evening, you had to wear full makeup. Okay. You had to wear full makeup. You had to have red lipstick. You had to have your hair tied back. And it was really, right. really strict. Yeah. And then you'd be uh, doing discos. You'd be running to the bingo. entertainment side yeah. of things. And yeah. And then you would be maybe in a show. You'd be doing singing. You'd wow. be doing dancing. Um, and it was, it was, it was really nice. But it was a real kind of like you wouldn't realize what a strict environment. But the weirdest thing was they would sell photos of you in the souvenir shop. <laughs> and at the end of the week, people would come up to you and go, will you sign your picture? Oh, wow. yeah, and it yeah. was bonkers Amazing. because you were like of signing course. pictures. Of, it yeah, was yeah. just really strange to think that people So there's thousands buying... of pictures of Emma Jane Gooch somewhere yeah. with your signature yeah, on it. absolutely. Yeah. There you go. You know, one day when I'm famous, let's that's find worth no one, Let's find no one either. <laughs> absolutely. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then... Um, I uh, decided not to go to university, carried on working on the holiday park, yeah, yeah. hence why I was there three seasons. Yeah. By that time, I was earning money. I had my own car yeah. to kind of give that up. And I would have had no financial backing from my parents. So it was a more of a financial decision than anything else. Yeah, I get that. Um, so I did a few jobs, then fell into recruitment. And yeah. uh, we decided, so I had uh, my first daughter. Then I had my second, yeah. um, and then we decided to, uh, with my husband's job, move away to uh, Wiltshire. And then, um, not long after we'd been there, we'd got settled and so forth, um, I found out my husband was having an affair. Oh. Um, yeah. And it was, and I mentioned this earlier, I thought you got married and you stayed with someone for life. Yeah, same. So <laughs> I had very um, strong principles, yeah. um, and it didn't, you know, for me, you get married and then you have children. That that was my values. Yeah. So when I was pregnant and my wedding ring didn't fit, I, I had to go and buy another wedding ring because I didn't want people to think I was an unmarried mother yeah. right. because I was that kind of, mm. um, you know. And at the t now it seems a bit silly looking back, but that they were my principles, but, my beliefs. And I'd never judge anyone else for being, yeah. but that was what's important to me. Yeah. yeah, and it was, I think, of the time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I'm okay. not that old. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm reflecting on my age. Sorry, oh my Jamie. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so suddenly, um, so uh, yeah, so I found out he was having an affair, um, and uh, my mum and dad had moved up to Cumbria. Yes. So we were all from Suffolk. My uncle moved up to Cumbria when I was six. Right. And we used to come up here on holidays a lot. Oh, so there was a link here. So there was, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, there was a link. Yeah, yeah. And my mum was really close to my uncle Danny. Yeah. Um, and um, my dad's health had been declining. Right. And they couldn't, um, they owned their own house by now, which was great, but they couldn't really afford the mortgage just on mum's salary yeah. because houses down there were so expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so mum got a job up here. Yep. Um, so it meant dad could kind of retire on medical reasons um, and moved up here. Right. So they were close to my uncle Danny. So they'd come up here. Makes sense. Um, so I kind of, they moved up here in the April. I found out my husband was having an affair on Father's Day, which was in June. Um, and I did, it was like, um, even now it feels, and it was so long ago, yeah. the emotion is still there. Yeah, yeah. And the, just the, the feeling in your gut when you read the messages that I read is just like, yeah. just absolutely. So that was a fairly immediate decision then. You were like, right, well, I'm, I'm out of here. I came up to, to Cumbria, first of all, and I was here for a week and I, and he was on the phone, oh, nothing happened, nothing People yeah. aren't telling each other they love each other and so forth, yeah. unless something's, you know, happening. Um, I came back down um, for a, about three days and then I found out he was still seeing her. So I then just fitted everything I could into a little, I had a little, uh, I think it was a, a Ford Fiesta, only one door would open. I 
put the yeah. two kids in there, everything I could fit, and just drove up to Cumbria. I didn't have any money. Yeah. I had a joint account with my husband, and I was really naive, and I did not do any of the accounts and everything. Right. I left that to him. Yeah. So okay. I didn't pay the bills. I didn't do any of that. He did all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, we were in a financial pickle that I wasn't aware, aware of. of. Right. Um, so there was literally no money in the account. Yeah. So I was kind of like here. Yeah. I had two kids. I had no job. I had nowhere to live. My um, heart had been shattered. Yeah. And I just did not know what to do. Yeah. So who do you turn to? I mean, apart, apart from mum and dad, I mean, it's like... There was nobody. Yeah, I was yeah. in an area where I knew nobody. Yeah. And um, really interesting, and this is one thing that's so interesting about divorce, is yeah. that all the people that were our friends decided it was probably best not to speak to either of us because they didn't want to take sides. I've been there twice. Great. So yeah, that's it. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Oh, yeah, no, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, and, yeah. and so suddenly... Yeah. You have no one. Yeah. So I was on my own. My yeah. kids, my youngest was 22 months. Uh, my eldest, yeah. My yeah. eldest was, well, she's 22 months older. So she wasn't even four. So she was still three. Right, okay. Um, and I had no house, no job. I was, a, I was broken. I'd stopped eating. Right. Um, and it was just horrific. Yeah. And uh, I remember I sat, and yes, this going back to the age, going through the yellow pages. Right. Um, trying to find recruitment agencies yeah. that I could call. Right. Um, and I, I had to make a really hard decision, right? So I said to you uh, a little while ago, I didn't want to be a mum that was a part-time mum. Yeah. yeah. However, I had two choices. I had to either go to the council, say I was homeless and get benefits and yeah. be a stay-at-home mum. Yeah. Or I had to get a job and work full-time. Yeah. And they both were decisions that shouldn't be judged. No, absolutely. But for me, I felt that I needed to be a role model for my girls. Right. And I felt I needed to, yeah, yeah. you know, be something. Feel your worth as well. To. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Feel valued. And yeah. I didn't want to just be a mum. Yeah. I wanted, I knew I had more than that in me. So in that situation then, there's, there's, a, there's a huge amount of motivation to literally absolutely. pull yourself up from the bootstraps, as it to. were, and just crack on. Because otherwise, what, what's the option? And yeah. that's it. When yeah. you're at the lowest you think you can yeah. be, you can't go any lower. Yeah. So the only way is up and you yeah. have to look for that positive. Yeah. And, you, you know, as you go through more of these experiences through life, which I have, yeah. it teaches you that when you're in a bad place, it's okay because you know that it's going to give you such a good lesson and something amazing is going to come out of it. And I genuinely believe that. Yeah. So uh, as, as you've gone through that trauma because that's what it that's uh, what it was that's yeah, what it yeah. is um the, the how much of that do you think has fed into your sort of professional career as a as a driven individual oh, loads because it gives you resilience right, it yeah. gives you determination it gives you yeah. belief you know i believe i genuinely believe that anyone can do anything that they want to do i believe if you really work at it if you get your eye on it if you drive forward have the right conversations, you can achieve it. I think it's, it comes back to that point of motivation, doesn't it? You've got to have Absolutely. something that, that just gives you a Absolutely. kick up the backside or whatever it is. Yeah. And and I think it's sad when people aren't motivated. Yeah. You know, they may be, for whatever reason, they don't have that motivation. Yeah. Where, where, as you say, they're perfectly capable of doing things. Yeah, absolutely. They just haven't found the right no. motivation. So, no. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, within the two weeks, I found myself a job. I found myself a house and I had the girls in nursery. Amazing. Um, I only managed to get myself a house for two reasons. One, because my wonderful nanny who I spoke about, yeah. she lent me a thousand pounds and she didn't have a lot herself, but she lent me a thousand pounds, which enabled me to put a deposit in a first month's rent down on a house. Yeah, and the employees that the employers that I had left 
told the letting agent that I was still employed by them yes. remotely. Oh, so that I check. could yeah, of course. At, yeah. Like at least yeah. get that house. Yeah, yeah. So without those two pieces of help, I wouldn't have been able to yeah, yeah. to get that. But okay. it's what I managed to do in that time. Yeah, yeah. Um and yeah, so it was uh, it was a hard time because yeah, obviously. I then found myself very much on my own. Okay. So I was working full time. Yep. I would get up, the children would be in nursery for, you know, probably about half seven. Yeah. So it'd be up, children's mm -hmm. nursery, I'd go to work, I'd finish work at five, I'd then come back, sometimes half five, get back, get the kids at six o'clock, I'd bring them in, I feed them, I bath them, I put them to bed. And it's then a it's long just day. Like, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And, I, yeah. and I couldn't find anyone socially. So socially, mm -hmm. how do you find a social circle yes. when... Well, they've got to have the time to fit it in as well. Which, Absolutely. Because yeah, I suppose you're meeting many parents at nursery. Well... I actually found one of my best friends, who's still one of my best friends now, right, okay. um, from my group, a, a lady called Karen, who um, I absolutely love to death. She actually worked at the nursery. Amazing. Um, and yeah, okay. she saw the struggles that I was having. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she took me under her wing. And she, you know, when we did have, like, when the children were with their dad or anything like that, she would take me out. And she, like, really... I always say she saved my life because she gave me hope. Yes. Um, and it's interesting. Now she works at M-Spot and she does so well. She's such a hard worker. And there's a little group. I've got five girlfriends who are my world. I love completely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she always says, why am I part of this group? Because, you know, they're all like Rachel Holiday, the social entrepreneur. I've got my friend Claire, who's um, like a, a cost engineer, senior cost engineer. My friend Jane, who's a partner in an accounting firm and now works... Um, as a, a director in a in another firm, uh, I've got Sarah Purdom, who's a business owner, yeah. and she's just like, why why am I part? So of what this? did she do at M Sport then? Um, she she was cleaner. She's now just been um, promoted to kit coordinator. Okay, um, and she's just like, why am I part of this? And I said, it's not about your job. It's yeah. about the person. Yeah. you are an amazing person. Yeah. And and again, you know, so she really really helped me. Yeah, uh, she gave, and she didn't know at the time. Yeah. I didn't. She didn't know till quite a bit afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> That she was so instrumental in my You know what would life. be kind of interesting, actually? Uh, her in that group will have a completely different perspective, but of such value to yeah. that group, I suspect, because of her experience and yeah. where she is. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, we're in recruitment. Yep. Um, and it's you're employed by this um, agency? Yep. So I was initially went in with Rulion. Okay. And I went in to set them up They're a big. permanent recruitment division. Right. Yeah. Permanent, okay. So they'd only ever done contract here in Cumbria. Ah, okay. Um, okay. So, yeah. which is very much bums on seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And uh, they wanted a permanent division. Um, and like I said before, I kind of more went in and did consultancy for consultants, if that makes sense. Yes. So yeah. I went in and I did set them up a, a very successful, actually, permanent recruitment division. Oh, okay. Um, and, yeah. and um, going back to the personal a little bit, mm. um, you started blogging. Yeah. But that wasn't when I was there. Okay. Okay. So, did really on. I then got headhunted by a company called Mackenzie Douglas. Okay. Um, they were a legal recruiters and they wanted an energy division. Right. Okay. Um, so I set them up an energy division. Got you. Um, I started to go to Britain's Energy Coast business cluster. Yes. Um, and I started to make some really good connections. Yeah. Um, one guy who sticks out as someone who really influenced me was a guy called Dick Raz. It was a big American character. He used to chew a cigar, right. um, but everyone used to respect him. And he was the uh, managing director or CEO of LLWR at the time, the Low Level Waste Repository. Okay. Um, and because people saw him talking to me and taking me under his wing and taking me for coffee um, and giving me advice, they suddenly thought I was someone worth speaking to. Yep. Um, so I started to really build a good network. Okay. Um, so I decided um, that people weren't actually doing business with Mackenzie Douglas. 
they were doing business with me. Right. Um, and that's when I decided to make the decision to set up my own business. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so and that's but, a big step. Yeah, it yeah. was because I had two little girls. So I was on my own, yes. two little girls. Uh, by this time, I'd managed to save enough to put a deposit on a house because um, obviously I wasn't going out, wasn't doing much. Yeah. Um, and I was saving lots of money. I was very successful in recruitment. So I was earning commission. Yeah. So managed to um, to buy a house. And I remember the girls were still at primary school, but I remember I had the conversation with them and I said, look, this is what mummy wants to do. I said, I want to set up my own business. Because um, I always believe that I should have those conversations yeah. with them. I said, and this is the impact, okay? okay? So for the next few months... It might be beans on toast. Yep. <laughs> if mum can't put it on the credit card, you can't have it. Yeah, okay? absolutely. Yeah. Um, and because as I saw it, the worst that could happen is I would lose my house. Yeah. If, I lose, if I lost my house, then someone would have to house me. Yeah. So, and if it didn't turn out well, I'd just get a job. Yeah. So, you know, and, and when I was looking for the job in recruitment, I was applying for everything. So um, Tesco's, cleaning, I didn't, I wasn't proud about, and I think that's really important. Yeah. I wasn't proud about what I did. Yes. I just knew I had to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it didn't really, if anything, it was a quite an exciting time to do it. It is. Um, okay. So I set up new exec consulting um, and that's when I started to blog. So yeah. I started to speak to a lot of people and um, people were getting really, the supply chain, they were getting yeah. really frustrated because um, of the way Sellafield was behaving. Right. Um, in, in what respect? In, in so it's difficult in, to in do the, business with them? Yeah, difficult to do business. Yeah. Um, when people did win contracts, there was the delay in awarding contracts. There was SMEs not getting the opportunity. There were the large organizations promising them work and never giving them work. There was like a whole array of that type of stuff. That and was you had going to pay to pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So people were, Sellafield weren't opening their doors. You had to pay um, a commercial business to go and put a stand mm -hmm. to pitch to try and win business. Okay. But the people attending weren't even the right people. Yeah. Um, and it was bonkers. But historically, if someone ever spoke up about Sellafield, and I saw this happen years prior, yeah. um, they would either lose their job or their company would lose the contract. Right. That is how it was. Bad very, it was. Sort of a, it was a shot. very old boy network. Yeah. It yeah. was, you know, um, and then obviously as they moved into more public procurements, that had to change. Yeah, yeah. But there was still this. So I started to blog about it. So did you see that as a sort of challenge that you wanted to address? Yeah, absolutely. And I, the blog was the way I, in which. As the, new exec, Sellafield yeah. wasn't my customer. Yeah. My customer was the supply chain. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I and I also, I should have said, joined the management team and then the board of Britain's Central Coast Business Cluster, mm -hmm. where I'd kind of become the voice of the SME without needing right. to. Yeah, yeah. So when I sat in the boardroom, I think I was one of the own, one of two maybe SMEs around the table okay. and they would be talking about, oh, let's do it. And I would say, well, what about the SMEs? What about the membership? What mm. about? And I was always the person bringing people back, yeah. which is interesting because when I first walked into my very first meeting at the cluster, I felt like I was walking to a staff room and I was like, doing here yeah. you know how, how am i sat here and then yeah. after a few meetings i can't but it's really interesting uh, forgive me I, i'm going to step back slightly because um because of the, the journey you've been on mm. you're scared of nothing no. walking into that environment no. and actually you're in a great position to cross-examine yeah. you know the, the way they were doing business yeah so that was yeah i suppose that's a big part of it isn't it that, that's you know such a uh, you know well-organized large to a certain extent bureaucratic organization no one does challenge it and, until no. until someone actually does. Absolutely. And then, Absolutely. then then there's the opportunity to make yeah. some change. But the blog wasn't just about challenging negativity. Yeah. It was also about, I would share there loads of information. So I would go to all the different events and um, things that were going on and I would then share the information in the blog yeah. and say, oh, you know, I've heard this is coming up. 
this procurement's on, you might want to be thinking about doing this procurement, you might want this. And actually, it got to a point where loads of people were telling me their BDs were just copying and pasting Your my content. blog into yeah. their reports. Yeah, right. So I started to do things like drop random words in like knickers, uh, just, just to catch <laughs> just them to out. Catch yeah, them yeah, out. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but it was, so it wasn't just about, and it was never personal to an individual because that's yeah. wrong. I yeah. don't want to be unkind. Yeah, yeah. It was a, you know, this is, and it was always based on, this is what I've heard. It might not be facts, yes. but this is what I've been told. Yeah. This is what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd also share all about those opportunities and tell people who they should be connecting with to, yeah. to help. But then what I always used to do at the end is, and it can only happen to me. So um, there would always be a story about something that happened that week. It would normally be something around my knickers showing or, you know, some terrible mishap. Yeah. Um, but it was just to emotionally connect with the people that were yeah. reading my blog. Yeah. yeah, we've spoken about this on a different episode, actually, where that element in business where you really make a point of being yourself, genuine, authentic. authentic yeah. And we, we agreed that, you know, if if you choose the other way, which is to try and be something else, it's, you're making it really hard for yourself. Yeah. Just be yourself yeah. and it's easy. So, yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. And I used to get lots of people come up to me and, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm and oh, I feel like I really know you because I read your blog. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was quite nice. Yeah, um, but it got to a point where I had uh, six thousand readers. What um, you should have said it was, "Would you like a signed autograph yeah. from Haven?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have bought those pictures. Should have bought it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I got up to six thousand readers. I didn't realise that it was Sellafield that was running the statistics because right. they were um, monitoring monitoring closely. Yes, yeah. keeping an uh, They did bring in a couple of people that tried to. Um, filter what I was saying. Okay. I worked with them to a degree, but I wouldn't allow them to not, but they couldn't stop me. Yeah. They should, couldn't stop me talking uh, about what I felt, what was going on, what yeah. I was hearing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I would kind of go to them and, and get that kind of, all right, well, this is what I'm going to say. Yeah. And they might say, well, actually the facts are this or. Tweak it slightly. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but at least you had that engagement. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, I was writing the blog for a good few years. I was yeah. running the business uh, for about five and a half years. Well, by the time I finished, it was about five and a half years. Um, but um, Sellafield brought someone new in, someone called Martin Chown as their supply chain director. Okay. And Sellafield called me actually, their comms team. Oh, our supply chain director's coming to speak at the cluster. Will you, will you come? And I'm like, I've actually got stuff on. And I genuinely did. And right. they're like, oh, but we'd really like you to meet him. And I thought, all right, I'll change my plans and I'll, and I'll come. Yeah. So I was sitting in the cluster and I heard Martin speak and he said things like, I no longer want the supply chain to have to pay to meet Sellafield. Right, and okay. I was like, oh my God. Okay. And he was saying, you know, I want to make working with Sellafield easier. I want to stop delays. And all these things were like, tick, tick. And I sat there like, oh my God, I think I love this man. <laughs> you know, it was like everything yeah. that I had been yeah. fighting for. That he probably had read. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, was, was he aware? Right. Was he aware? Sorry, sorry, sorry. But anyway, but, but all yeah. of those things yeah. he was saying he was going to address. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, if he yeah. genuinely means what he's saying, yeah, yeah. there's going to be a real change here. So we met afterwards, and we sat down, and we were having a conversation. And you know, with some people, you just click. Yeah. yeah. You, you sit down and you start having a conversation, and you just get it. Yeah. And at the time, um, I I was on the board of uh, Time to Change West Cumbria. I came off for a little while, and now I've gone back on again. Right. Um, and they were launching their Coldwood Coffee. Okay. Uh, so Coldwood House is their homeless hostel, and oh, they'd started right. this okay. coffee. And I wanted it to be their coffee van to go onto Yacht and Pew's car park at Sellafield. Of course. Right. So right. that was my kind of 
push to Martin. Yeah. Um, so we were having this conversation. We got on really well. And he was asking me, well, you know, what are the problems? What would you do? And I was like, oh, you know, I need this van. What would you do? And, and we started- How did we make it happen? Yeah, we started having these conversations fairly regularly. We'd bump into each other or we'd arrange for a coffee. Yeah. Um, he got the coffee van on Yacht and Fuse for me, which was fantastic. Um, but also we would often have those conversations where he'd say to me, right, these, these are my problems. What, what would you do, Emma Jane? And this went on for maybe nearly a year. Okay. Um, and then I said to him one day when we were doing it, I was like, well, what you need is me to come in and sort this out for you. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Quite was, flippantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. he was like, yeah, I want you to come in and work for me. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, uh, wow. Yeah. So you're still running your own business. Still running point. my own business. But yeah. by this point, I'd fallen out of love of recruitment. Okay. Yeah. So I'd fallen out of love of recruitment. Um, I was still doing my blog because, you know, that was something I really enjoyed, helping yeah. people, having those conversations. I found more and more... I was going and giving businesses advice about working with Sellerfield mm -hmm. rather than my paid for work. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, he offered me a package, which was amazing. Um, so I decided that I would close the business and I would go and work for him. And yeah. I went in as um, head of supply chain development and innovation. Yeah. And I owned the SME agenda for right. Sellerfield, which is the government SME agenda. Yes. Um, and I was responsible for the supply chain and helping the supply chain do business for Sellerfield, which okay. was a fantastic opportunity for myself. Yeah. I'm so grateful for being given that opportunity. Yeah. Because uh, it was something I was so passionate about. It's not often you get to do something that you're super passionate about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I recruited a, a lovely little team. There was four of us in all. Um, and we took the SME spends from round about 21, 23% up to 30.9%. Okay. Um, write it, wrote the first SME um, strategy, an SME action plan. I brought in Link with Sellerfield, which was a platform that only allows SME businesses to win work. Okay. Um, okay. So it gave them that open door. I okay. did directors forums, which were events that had four, five, four to 500 directors attend. Um, so they could collaborate. They could understand what opportunities there were. I brought our tier twos in so that they could talk about the opportunities because quite often that's where people are going to get their work, not directly with Sellerfield, yeah, but yeah, through yeah. our partners. Yeah. Um, and it was an amazing time. Yeah. But also, um, Martin would utilize me to do things like um, his comms, um, almost like his brand, if you like. Yeah. Um, if he had a special project, he wanted a business case team, so I set up the business case team for him. Mm -hmm. Completely not what I would normally do, but he yeah. knew I would get, what he says, get shit done. Yes. Uh, he knew that I, if I got, I would come across a lot of barriers, yes. but I don't allow barriers to stop me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's always a way around them, around yeah. them, over them, through them. Yes. Um, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of special projects for him as well. Yeah. Um, and then when he um, decided to go for the CEO role yeah. and when he secured that role, um, I obviously explained and wrote a new position, which was the chief of staff, uh, right. which I then went to, to do with him. Yeah. And he gave me the wonderful task of culture. Right. So as CEO. It sounds like you've already changed the culture, certainly from a supply chain point Absolutely. of view. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the yeah. supply chain, we did some amazing work. Yeah. And, and, and were you met with a fair bit of resistance in that process then? With the supply chain? Yeah. No, because the supply chain already believed in me from my blog. Right. So they knew okay. that I was I, I meant from the other side, from within, um, from within Sellafield. I didn't then. really need to because I right. was just doing it anyway. I right. had some, but yes, I did. Your question, yes, I did come resistance. Right. I came across some absolute pricks. Yeah. I came across people that said to me I shouldn't be there. I yeah. wasn't trustworthy yeah. because that's in the blog. They thought I was going to say things. Yeah. I had um, people treat me really badly. Okay. Um, you know, it, 
not accepting me onto the lead team because they didn't feel that I should be on the lead team. So I did, but I don't hold that in my head because it doesn't play any purpose. No, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah, that, that, anyway. that, was, that was experience yeah. that made me stronger. Mm. You know, it made me realize that if I went into them and said, oh, I'd like to do this, and they'd go, oh, no, 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 no. What I did is I went in and said, this is what I'm going to do, blah, blah, blah. This is why, this is what the outcome's going to be. Any objections? No, great. So I learned <laughs> to twist how I delivered yeah, yeah. stuff right, yeah. to get my outcome. Yeah. So yes, I did come across resistance, but I was so passionate about what I was doing, there was no way it was going to stop yeah, me. Yeah, great. Um, and so one of the things Martin was told when he went to CEO is you'll never change the culture at Sellafield. And if you tell Martin he'll never do something, it's going to happen. It <laughs> um, goes to the top of the list. Yeah. yeah. So um, he entrusted me, which was amazing. And he said he wanted um, a manifesto and he wanted a purpose. Yeah. Um, so historically at Sellafield, what we'd always done is people would um, say, right, we want some new values or we want to change the culture. They'd bring in consultants yeah. um, at a senior level that talked loads of wanky language that mm -hmm. no one connected with. Yes. They'd work with the exec and the senior leaders to come up with words and things that connected to them. Just some fluff. Yeah. And then they try and push it down on the workforce. Yeah, yeah. And the workforce, they're not. See right through it. It's yeah. not their language. Yeah. They're not interested in it. Yeah. It doesn't connect with them. Yeah. So I was determined that if I was going to do it, I was going to do it differently. Okay. So what I did is I spoke to the business, like at all levels of the organization, okay. to really understand what the code of culture was. Yeah. Um, and I heard some really sad stories, you know. Yeah. Historically, Sellafield was not a nice place to work. Yeah. You know. People were scared to come out as gay because of all the homophobic um, comments or, or fear that there might be yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, there was people who um, had had a hard time because they had a stammer right. and they, you know, they, they didn't feel they had a voice because they didn't, couldn't have that physical voice there and then. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. weren't given the time, the patience or the respect to be able to articulate. Yeah. You know, we had oh, just an all array of stories. But what I did in the workshops was make it really clear to them, you know, this is all stuff that's happened. And do you know what? I'm so sorry that's happened. We can't change the past. No. Yeah. So what we need to do is we need to reflect on that. Okay. And what do we want to see to the future? Let's draw a line. This is what's happened. Yeah. I'm not saying it's okay, but this is what's happened. Yeah. What do we need to see in the future? Yeah. And that's how the manifesto was created through their words. We value each other. Yeah. We're kind and respectful. We celebrate, we celebrate achievements, we trust and hold to account. And they were all things that they wanted themselves to do, yeah, yeah. but also wanted to see others do. Yeah. And then with them, we uh, worked up the purpose. So this was about listening to the stories, pulling out the keywords, and um, we're creating a clean and safe environment for future generations. Right. Um, and that's and through doing that work, it made me start on my own personal purpose discovery okay. um, which is actually sessions that I can now do for businesses or for so people it, as well. So if we sort of fast forward to yeah. now then so that's, yeah. that's your, your, so your, so, your so current business manifesto. Yeah so I did yeah. the manifesto I did the purpose um, we put it out through the organisation I put a great infrastructure of change makers in to help do the project so all of this stuff was going on for a, a good 18 months. Wano the World Association of Nuclear Operations came in gave it a strength in their peer audit which is very unusual to have a strength so then I saw an opportunity to commercialize. Right. Hence why I felt that that was the right time okay. for me to. And it was, it was really strange because I loved working at Sellafield. The opportunities that Sellafield gave me, the qualifications that they gave me were fantastic. Okay. I loved working with Martin. Okay. Um, I still love speaking with him, but I knew that it was the right time for me. So I cried a bucket when I left 
because I was like, I don't want to, but I knew I wanted to leave. But it's a brave move, isn't it? I mean, I know, so you, you've gone from, you know, running your own your own yeah. business, which comes with a whole bunch of challenges. We, we all know about that. You then go into a fairly challenging environment, but a very rewarding one by the sounds of it. Do you know, Financially I, have, I would never have dreamt of the salary yeah. and the benefits that I was receiving there. So like in a million years. Yeah. So that's but quite something to walk away from. I'm not money driven. Yeah. And that's the thing. I am not money driven. Yeah. I just need what I need to survive. Yeah, yeah. What's important to me is that feeling in your gut when you're doing something that's amazing, that gives you uh, such a sense of achievement. And, you know, I... I just, so my purpose, going back, I decided to do this personal purpose discovery myself. Yes. My purpose is to be the light to help others to shine. Okay. And I found that purpose through my stories. Like I said about the story about my nan. Yeah. And, and that's what I, and that's what my business now. So I was going to ask about that. So how, how does that sort of manifest itself in what you do with clients? Now? Okay. So my business has four different, it started off with three, but through demand, it's now got a fourth like strand. Okay. So the first is the purpose discovery. Mm -hmm. So that's helping companies understand why they exist, why anyone should care. That's about um, looking at the very core. It's about understanding your North Star, where you're working towards. It's giving your people something to get up for in the morning. They emotionally connect to why they come to work. Uh, Purpose-driven companies are, um, they outperform their competitors in the stock markets. They're more mm -hmm. resilient. There's loads of facts and figures around purpose-driven yeah. yeah. companies. So I go in and help companies find their purpose. But I can also do the personal purpose discovery as well, which is on a one-to-one -one basis, yeah. which is about understanding their stories right the way through their life and that you find those golden threads. Um, yeah. I'll use Simon Sinek's method, if yeah. you ever come from Simon yeah. Sinek. That's the method that I use in okay. that personal yeah. purpose discovery. I also do cultural work. So cultural inquiry, going to a company, quite often directors and exec at the, at the table will be going, our culture's fantastic. You see these values on the wall? This is how everyone behaves. It absolutely is not. Yeah. And um, so what I do is I'll go in and do a cultural inquiry to really understand how people are thinking, how yeah. people are feeling. So that's throughout the organization. Throughout that's the organization. just not the, the executive yeah. No, board. no, not just the yeah. exec. It's got to be yeah. the people. Sure. Um, so it's about understanding how the people feel. Do the people feel the same as the exec think they feel? Yeah. Yeah. What are their challenges? You know, usually on those sorts of sessions, I'll do a shit list, enable them to get yeah. it all out. Because if you don't let people get it out, they'll drink their own poison. Yeah. And you it's know? so much easier from an outside perspective going into a yeah. business to establish this stuff. I mean, I remember yeah. speaking to someone who was like, yeah, but in 1983, Bob said this, and I felt like this, like, 1983, and they've yeah. been drinking that poison for all those years because no one had given the opportunity yeah, yeah. to so, get out. So, do you find that when 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 you're engaging with the the you know the core employees, as it were, mm. are, are they happy to open up about this sort of Absolutely, stuff? Absolutely, because it's all about creating the right environment. Right. So they have to have an environment that they know is completely. And this is what I did at Sellerfield as well, because yep. initially people were like, "What well, if we Bit say wary. anything?" Yeah, absolutely not. So you have to create that environment where people know that anything they say is confidential. Yeah. Everyone in the room has to understand that if they take the outside, they'll be disciplined yeah. because they have to have that safe space yeah. where they can be honest. And it's okay that other people don't agree with them. That's their experience. Mm -hmm. And you have to allow people to have that. Right. So it is about building that right from the outset, the right environment to enable and empower people have those conversations so you've been reminders you so you've been running plain purpose as your organization yep. relatively new relatively yep. young still yep um what's the what's the not next stage of, of development what, okay what, where are you going next so just to carry on with what i do because then that will yeah, feed in. Yep. so we've got a purpose culture also facilitation okay. so any sort of facilitation from facilitating on a one-to-one -one basis to draw stuff out of someone's head i used to do that a lot with martin helping him get that shit out of his head that 
doesn't yeah. really make any sense, but he knows he's got to do it, but doesn't quite know how it all maps together. Yeah. Um, to facilitating up to 500 people. So any sort of, um, you know, facilitation, I can do my okay. accredited facilitator as well. Um, and then this new part that I wasn't going to do. So um, I was just going to focus on those areas. But when yeah. I came out of Sellafield, um, obviously people are like, oh, she's just been sitting with the CEO around the exec. She knows what's going on. And um, there's these procurements coming out. So people have started to pull on me for nuclear consultancy and bid support, bid review and bid writing. Uh, okay. And actually I've been really enjoying it because I'm going yeah. as part of teams for organization. Yeah, right. And um, so that is the new part of my business. And that so can be a complete minefield, question. can't it? Yeah, the, the, absolutely. The mechanics of all of that process yeah, it can, absolutely. It can be quite absolutely. challenging. Yeah. And I've had a real focus on social value as well. So right. really understanding the social value, doing more digging into what it, what it actually means, what government are looking for in their mm. procurements and what governments are looking for organizations to deliver. And um, so that nuclear consultancy side's kind of come big, but I think that will for a little time and then it will, as my, as I get older from Sellafield, it yeah. will, it will lessen and the other stuff will, but whilst it's making me money. It, it's interesting, isn't it? Cause you see the, you know, what, what we used to, used to be referred to as, you know, um, CSR, the yeah. language has changed. Yeah. We now talk about ESG scores yeah. and social value yeah. and social impact. And I think, you know, over the years when I've done lots of tendering work, there's, an element of it being a little bit of a tick box exercise. I think we're moving away. And I, I think, think we are, are actually now seeing the value. Yeah. And and that, that's something that's really important to me. So yeah. when I work with organizations on, on the bid, now I've worked with some lovely organizations. SMEs are my favorite, I've got to be honest. Although yeah. I do work with some lovely large organizations. So if any of them are watching, I, I love them too. <laughs> uh, but you know, there's something right. special about an SME business. Yeah. But I, whenever I'm writing for them, it's always on the proviso that I am not going to write anything that you are not going to deliver. So yes. if we're going to write yeah. this, yeah. we are going to do it. Mm, now, yeah. I know there are a lot of consultants out there that don't do that, that they just write down on Big the paper to win, to win it. Yeah. bid. Yeah. I don't believe, going back to my values, I don't believe in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you've, got to, you've got to deliver it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Committed. Because yeah. the reason you're doing it is for the betterment of the community in which you live yeah, yeah, sure. and yeah. work. Yeah. So just writing on a piece of paper and then not doing it, mm. you know, that yeah. is then just a tick box. It is. Yeah. Forgive me, I, I, I want to um, get a little personal for a second. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. So um, your sort of uh, plain purpose, mm -hmm. your girls. Yes. Yeah. So what would you, I mean, obviously you were working as a 11, 12 year old at market stalls and yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, um, they must be in their teens now, I'm guessing. Oh, they are, yes. Yeah, yeah. Have you got them doing this kind of thing? I mean, what are you passing on to them? That um, they don't see their mum very often, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so... My eldest, um, she's 18. Okay. Um, she does work in McDonald's. Okay. So she, she started work at 16. Right. Um, so, yeah. Good she, discipline there. Yeah. So yeah. she knows how to graft. But she'd been, uh, yeah. she doesn't at home though. Uh, <laughs> <bedroom sounds great. laughs> Well, um, I know. Okay. When they're like, oh, she's amazing. She 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 works so hard. She's always sweeping up. Really? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so she works really hard there. She's also at college. She wants to be in the police. Right. So she's doing okay. a policing college uh, qualification, which she finishes um, in the next few weeks, and then okay. she's got a place at uni to do policing degree. Yeah, um, where's she? But she uh, Salford, but she will work wow. okay. while she's doing her degree. Salford's hardcore. Yeah, it's great. Honestly, we yeah. went to open. I want to go. Have right. you been to a university lately? The social life looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter's just about to graduate. So, Is yeah. she? Yeah. Has she yeah. loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, first year for her was lockdown. First lockdown year, so not so great. Yeah. But yeah. Last two have been good. Yeah. yeah. And then my youngest, yes. um, so she is 16. Okay. Um, 
had some, well, nearly 17 in August, actually, had some real challenges with Katie. Okay. Um, so um, some people may know, but uh, a couple of years ago, she was um, suffering with her mental health. Okay. Um, and she uh, attempted her life, oh, wow. which was really, really hard as a single mum yeah. to deal with. Yes. Um, the support and help that we got was okay. really poor. Right. Um, we were waiting for appointments and so forth. She then went down again. Yeah. Um, we th I then got a call from the school to say, you need to get her to yeah. a hospital. She's right. having a, another episode. Okay. And it was a really, really hard time because I, I have a senior role at Sellafield. Yeah. And whilst I like to be really authentic, yeah. I also believe in not taking your shit into work. Yes. <laughs> so I would sit all night up with my daughter on suicide watch. Yeah, yeah go to work the next morning. And pretend everything nobody, was fine. Nobody would know right. there was a thing wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I hid it extremely yeah. well. And in yeah. fact, work was almost like a, a disguise to the, the feeling that I was yeah. feeling as a mother. I and I, I know it. it's not about my feelings, it's about the feelings of her. But as a mum, yeah. knowing that there was no reason for her to feel like that, yeah. there was nothing, yeah. you didn't know. There is no control. Fix. There is none There is not. And, yeah, and you still feel responsible. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was absolutely exhausting. And yeah. it was so hard, you know, I'd come home from, from work and, yeah. she, and I wouldn't know if I'd find her dead or alive. Yeah. You know, I'd go up to her, I'd wake up in the morning and be too scared to get out of bed yeah. because I didn't want to go into her room. Okay. And that was what I was like living with on a daily basis whilst being this, not only CEO to um, uh, chief of staff to the CEO, but also being really, really positive, upbeat, facilitating all yeah. these uh, manifesto sessions about how wonderful life is and how positive we can all be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a really, really hard and challenging time. Yeah. And when she um, went through her other episode, the, it was so terrible. We went, I, I don't want to labor it, but we went to the hospital in short. We were there waiting for ages. Someone finally came in um, and the, they, they said to her, this is from um, CAMS. Uh, no, it wasn't the CAMS crisis team. They came in and they said, uh, she said, you know, I'm suicidal. She, she was actually explaining how she would kill herself. Like she had plans in place. Right, yes. Right. And they turned around to her and said, well, you haven't done it yet, have you? Get home. And I was crying. She was crying. I'm like, I can't this take her home. This is a crisis thing. Yep. Wow. It's like, I can't take her home. I cannot cope another night without sleep. Yeah. Um, she was going, please keep me in. I feel safe here. I'm not safe at home. Yeah. Um, so I set up a campaign called Chicks. Children's Health okay. in Crisis, Cumbria Support, okay. uh, along with Rachel Holiday and Emma right. Williamson, some other really inspirational people. Yes. Um, and we actually lobbied to get better mental health for children. We right. went to um, government, we went to the NHS, but we've now wound that down because we've made our points, we've, we've done right. what we needed to do. Okay. But um, I'm telling you this because Katie, um, she actually came out as trans, um, uh, so um, would like to identify as a boy, Right. Uh, oh, but boy. felt that in Cumbria, she perhaps couldn't do that yeah. because she'd went been to Cockham School right. and then she moved to UTC, so everyone knew her. Right. So she decided that her dad was still living down in, in the, the southwest in Chepstow now. Right. So she's decided to move down there to do her A-levels. Right. So it was really hard for me, mm. having her on my own yes. for those years, oh, um, having gone through that really bad period with her, having brought her through and yeah. seen her flourish and then her going, going down there now. Yeah. Yeah. but as a mother yeah. you have to go you gotta let them that's yeah. your choice yeah, no, absolutely. and you know she's happy and, and so her dad is obviously being responsible for her and and <laughs> okay you don't have to comment, <laughs> no comment. on that yeah no, no, but i mean <laughs> no, we'll over that she, she, she's through the worst of that <laughs> but she's she's, she's, through she's still... she herself and um, when we finally got into cams right. they were brilliant okay she had cognitive behavioral therapy right uh, she was diagnosed with depression yeah, yeah. and she now and for her what she found so hard was she 
she's a very lateral thinker. So, and she couldn't, there was no reason why she was feeling the way she was feeling and she couldn't cope with the, why am I, so there's been no, there's nothing that's happened. No that trigger or anything. No. So what she learned through that was that it was depression. So she got a label, so that helped. Yeah. And, yeah. um, but also she learned what her triggers were and when she, when it's coming on now, she knows and she knows what to do. Okay. So she's managing it so well. And forgive me, I mean, for, for audience, um, you're calling her she and still. I, and I shouldn't. For, for, well, okay, yeah. I mean, as a <laughs> but, mother, I kind of understand, yeah. but at the same so, time you so, need to recognize. Yeah. So when I'm with yeah. Kay, yes. I will refer to him, he, him, his. Okay. Um, as much as I can, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we are on a journey. Yeah, yeah, um, And um, she kind of halves and halves. So sometimes okay. she'll be she and her and Katie right. okay. because so there's still, in still. certain okay. circles, school, things like that, it's yeah. all a bit tricky. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then as much as possible, she wants to be K, Caleb. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't quite get the whole Caleb. So we do K because it's half between Katie, half between Caleb. Yeah. Okay. And it, and it, you know, yeah, yeah. but... That's, that's part of the journey, yeah. isn't it? You've got to work yeah. out I know. Let's not yeah. know it, how no, it all no, works. Yeah. Yeah. As a parent, oh my yeah. gosh, it's a really hard thing to go through course, because yeah. you're almost mourning your little girl. Yeah. Um, and and it's like, how do I balance that? And I do I do still, when she's not here, refer to her as her, yeah. she, okay. and a girl. Um, but then for, for this story, she was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now I will do my best to do he, him, his. But it is, it's yeah. really hard as a parent yeah, be, to kind of, be address that go through yeah, that you, you kind of think did i do something wrong but of course there's nothing wrong with being trans no. but but as a parent you you know you you kind of in, you, in your head you have this and i'm going to say this and i don't mean it disrespectfully like this normal what you would perceive as normal you think you're going to have a little girl she's going to get married you're going to go and do the wedding dresses they're going to have kids yeah. so to suddenly have someone that's trans yes that's normal but yeah. it's just a different normal Absolutely. different to what your plan suppose there's anyone different out there to what you Exactly. No one's going to expect that or see no, it coming absolutely. until it's in front of them. Yeah. Absolutely. And you think, yeah. are people going to judge me? Yeah. yeah. And that was the same when she when she was going through her suicidal and mental health. Are people going to judge me? Are they going to think I'm a really shit mum? Yeah, yeah. And then you start questioning, am I a shit mum? Because I've done my career and I brought them up on my own. What didn't I do? And of course, it's not. Why are we so um, important that we think it's about ourselves? Because it's not. No. But that, you, yeah. that is part it's of being a parent, isn't it? Isn't it? That, yeah. That, yeah. Everything that happens in and around yeah. your kid's life is connected to you. And you, you do take a lot of yeah. it on. Yeah, Which, you, you know, like you say, you, 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 you no, no, it. absolutely, because it's not yeah. about you; it's about them. Yeah, it, exactly. and they have to live their lives, yeah. and as long as they're happy, I'm behind yeah. them 100. Cool. Yeah, yeah, tremendous. Okay, good. good so good. yeah, so now plain purpose. Yes, yes. life is good. good. Loving yes. it. Good. Been trading since November. Yes, just secured a, a contract in okay. Saudi Arabia, which I am delighted wow. with. Okay, and um, I've never had international experience with them. Um, Katie, as I mentioned, being down south yeah. and Madeline going off to university. Yeah. Got a little bit more time. So I how did that come about? A trip to Saudi or? Well, no. Um, network. Everything is about network. Yeah, it's all about who you know. Yeah. Um, I happened to be connected with someone who was a managing director in Saudi. I reached out. He liked what I said. I've now got this opportunity to go out there. I mean, the, the, the opportunity, opportunities that that could lead to. Absolutely. Tremendous. Uh, really yeah. so. So it's a really nice piece of work because I'm writing a workshop to help connect. So they've already got a purpose, so they don't need me to write a purpose, but they want me to connect their workforce to the purpose and the Saudi vision 2030 and how it all links in wow. and do a workshop. And then I'll go out and deliver that workshop to four different areas of Saudi. Cool. Um, so it'll be amazing, awesome. really, really amazing. Yeah. yeah. So before before we come to how people hook up with you yep. and how they get in touch, yep. we, are, we have a little thing on the show where we want to get a little anecdote from you. Okay. So I've been thinking about this and 
of all the time that you spent in recruitment, mm -hmm. you know, finding the right people, yep. placing the right position, is there is there one thing where you've placed someone and they've gone on to be amazingly brilliant or you've ballsed up completely and, and, and a complete howler? Is there something that jumps out where you think, oh, yeah, I, I'm glad I did that or um, I wish I hadn't? Um, <laughs> not really. I mean, everyone I placed was amazing. Right. I only work with amazing people. <laughs> Good um, answer. But what I would say is... Yeah. Every the only time things bite me on my bum is when I don't don't trust my gut feel. Okay. So I would interview someone and I'd go, yeah, they seem really good, but not feeling it. And every time I didn't trust it, yeah, yeah. something would come yeah. back come yeah. back to me. Um, I think probably the worst one. This was years ago, um, when I very first kind of set out in recruitment and I did industrial recruitment, which is yeah. like you know fast paced. Mm. Th this guy came into the office. Um, he was desperate for a job. His girlfriend was pregnant. He was only a young lad. Um, and we had, a, we got like a, I think it was like a catering contract in. Goodness knows how we, we got that. But we got this catering contract in. And I was like, right, do you know what? I'm going to give you a chance. Yeah. And I said, if you need to be here at this time, they'll pick you up. And he didn't go. <laughs> and then he, he I it got hold of him. And he went, I'm really sorry. My girlfriend was ill. I'll definitely be there tomorrow. I was like, do you know what? I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Thank you. And he didn't come. Uh, and um, I was so good. And it, it made me kind of lost my, I, I really believed in him. Yeah. And now you kind of, I'm always a little bit, mm, these yeah. people, what they're saying, really what they're saying. But for me, trust your gut. Yeah. Trust your gut. Um, good and, advice. And my main thing that I always say is, and, uh, and it is a diversity saying diversity. I love diversity, the dance crew. Right. And, oh, yeah. Uh, dream, believe, achieve. And I believe that. If you can dream it and you believe it, you will achieve it. And I genuinely believe that. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So for those in our audience that want to find out a little bit more about you and how to get in touch, how do, how do people hit you up? Where can they find uh, you? I would probably say LinkedIn is a really okay. good place. Emma Jane Gooch on LinkedIn. Uh, email address ejg at plainpurpose.co.uk or go onto the website. And we'll put those links Thank in the so description. Thank you so very much. Brilliant. Thank so you. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for joining us, Emma Jane. <laughs> it's been great. It's been great. Thank, Thank you. you. So there you have it. That's been The Liquid Show. Um, we shall look forward to seeing you in the next one. And if you like, subscribe and share, that does the show great favour and we can get more guests like Emma Jane. Thanks once again. Thank you. A Liquid Studios production.